Hello, thank you for listening today. My name is Greta Harrison, and I'm the host of Born Fabulous. As a preface for today's podcast, let's discuss labels and terms. Steve and Laura Riggio's daughter, Melissa, was born in 1988 and passed away in 2008. During this time, the term mental retardation was used. I know because my own daughter, who is now 18, had this educational label when she was young. In 2008, it was changed to intellectual disability when Virginia started to change its laws. In 2012, the federal government enacted legislation changing the term mental retardation to intellectual disabilities in all federal law. Despite being urged to quickly replace all references to mental retardation, the change was gradual and varied state by state. Many nonprofits use the term mentally retarded as part of their name. Please keep in mind that historical context when listening to this podcast. And now, on to Steve and Laura Riggio, our featured guests on Born Fabulous. Please enjoy this introduction song, Love is a Potion. Melissa Riggio wrote the lyrics, Rachel Fuller wrote the music, and sings this beautiful song. Hello, my name is Greta Harrison. Welcome to Born Fabulous, the podcast where we speak with parents, families, and accomplished individuals who just happen to have disabilities. You are about to hear part two of the conversation with Steve and Laura Riggio. They are the parents of Melissa Riggio, a shining star who accomplished more in her 20 years than many do in a much longer lifetime. She was a published author and wrote the lyrics to two beautiful songs you hear at the beginning and end of this podcast. She started a social group for her peers. She had the same dreams as her siblings and wanted to drive, go to college, get married, and have children. She wanted a life like yours. Melissa was taken from us too soon in 2008. She had leukemia, but she graduated from high school, fully included, and received her diploma. She was and continues to be a role model for many, including my family. Her family continues her legacy. There are four episodes. I hope you will hear them all. The Riggios have made great changes for all of us and continue to brighten our world every day. And so tell me about Melissa's high school years. Uh, well, her high school years were good. Um, we, Melissa loved to swim. You know, she grew up doing all the things her sisters, uh, her younger and her older sister did. So she took tap dancing and ballet lessons. She was in all the recitals. Um, choir. Yeah, chorus. she she joined chorus uh, at every uh, stage of the public school. She loved to sing. She took horseback riding lessons in the summer, and she wanted to learn to swim really well. And so we gave her swimming lessons with a man that was a Navy SEAL. So she far surpassed. <laughs> Better than her mother and father. Yes. Wow. In right. fact, he had wanted to someday to actually teach her to. Um, to dive with an oxygen tank and a mask because she, she loved being under the water. She was like fearless and determined to learn all the strokes. 
So for high school, she said she knew my older daughter, Laura, had been on the swim team. And so I knew that would be like a good way for her to segue in and get to know other kids and be accepted. So, you know, we said that we were going to apply. Unbeknownst to, to us at the time, the summer before, a whole big discussion took place at the high school because this had never been done before. No child with a disability with Down syndrome was ever on the swim team. And so, but we said that we wanted her on it and it, it was, I guess they decided and were told that she would have to be included in it. And so it just turned out that her coach was like amazing. He just really, um, I don't know, enjoyed having her on the team. The other kids enjoyed having her on the team. You know, the first year she was on, they were like at some meet and there happened to be press there for or like the other team. And at the end of it, they came over to us and said, you know, we see your daughter swimming. Uh, we'd like to do like a story about her. So in, uh, I think, was it in the star, a New Jersey paper mm -hmm. did a feature of her, uh, about being on the swim team and they interviewed the coach, I guess some of her friends on it and her. Um, so she was thrilled. Uh, so that was a, a big part of her like social, um, network uh but then she also uh what else did she do in high school um she started to oh she had told us when she was 15 she wanted to have a trainer start coming to the house to train her and so as a birthday gift we gave her a trainer so she got very into health and exercising and eating right and she met a young woman that actually also worked in the y name Amy and uh, they started up a friendship uh, Amy would take her to the mall they would do all different things and I Melissa could just felt she could really just be herself with her she could be silly and crazy and Amy could be just as silly and crazy even though she were she was a little bit older than her and so uh, through school they in junior year they do a program where you go out into the community and you you get a chance to work at in different areas and so she had worked at Baby Gap she had um, worked uh, at Barnes and Noble in, in Barnes and Noble <laughs> she had in um, a preschool and then the local Y she read to little have, kids remember right, yes in yes. fact she she would yes. come sometimes to my classroom and, re and, and read, read to little kids, kids yes. Um, which was always a great day. I yeah. loved having it there. But um, she actually worked in the Y through that program so that when that program ended after junior year, they actually offered her a job, which she continued at until she was sick. And then even once she got into remission, mm -hmm. she continued until she got sick again. But um, so that also helped her, her social network. I won't say it was all easy in high school. She mm -hmm. really right. became aware of, I guess within herself of being different and not wanting to be different, wanting to be uh, fully accepted. And I don't even think it was that the kids were not socializing with her because they were great with her. She was invited to different parties and sleepovers and things. But I, I just, you know, I think for a normal teen, it's very, teenage years are very hard to find the group that you fit in with. And then you see other people dating or doing things that you want to do. So she struggled with that, but got through it. And um, I don't know, I think had a, a pretty good, uh, you know, high school um, experience. But she also wanted to, when talk in junior year came up of, 
applying to schools and um, going to college, she had wanted to do that. And I really did get the feeling from the other the teachers that they just had no clue about that and didn't think that that was possible and, and thought that we were crazy for even imagining there could be a program. And so we began to uh, network with uh, one of the organizations we're active in with, for people with disabilities. National and, Down Syndrome yeah, the National Society. G, uh, Down Syndrome Society. And we helped start two programs in New Jersey, one at the College of New Jersey and one at Mercer County Community College. Both are still in existence. The, the program at the College of New Jersey actually started a few years ago, a dorming component, which we really were, you know, in the beginning telling them that that's such an important component. We would really like to see that added, and it was. Well, we began to think about Melissa's post high school years pretty early yes, on, right? right. So, um, and we became aware that uh, the public education system um, is responsible for, for educating a child up till 21. I mean, they can actually stay in high school. Till 21. Through Here 21 years old in New Jersey. And it turns out that that is an option that many parents take take advantage of it or let's say fall back on or are resigned to. And the fact remains that, you know, a young adult of 20 years old really shouldn't be in high school. And while many, many schools have become progressive in inclusion, um, I think it becomes more difficult in high school. Right. because of the needs to adapt the curriculum. And being in high school at that age um, is kind of another world for an individual with a disability because they're not with their age uh, appropriate peers. Uh, they're, they're, if they stay. Yeah, if they stay, it's almost like a, um, I don't know how to use the term, but it, it, it's just not a good place to be for, for an adult that, young adult that sees their peers move on, they're staying behind, and they're not really getting the right support. Right. So, so, we, so as Laura said, we decided to um, engage the National Down Syndrome Society and a group of educators and professionals in New Jersey to frankly just simply explore could a program be conceived developed piloted the idea was to pilot a program and fortunately as Laura said you know we, we got we did work we, we worked about two years on the development of the program mm -hmm. and uh it took off and it still exists in those two schools. And then in New York, shortly thereafter, the association for the help of retarded children started the Melissa Riggio higher education program. And that is going to celebrate its 10th year anniversary this year. And now there are six sites throughout the city. Four, four like in the four city, in city, two in New Jersey, two, yeah. two in Brooklyn, four in HRC, no, one in Brooklyn, one in Brooklyn, one in Staten Island, and four in uh, one in Manhattan, one in the Bronx. Oh, right. okay. okay. 
That's that's quite right. quite that that's just quite a legacy. I, I mean, when we had first started thinking about Melissa going to a post-secondary program, again, we had read about right. different programs. I right. think there were 60 at the time across the United States, but nothing was here in New Jersey right. or even New York that we could try to have her attend. And so that's really how you know we started with the first two uh, pilot well, programs in New Jersey. So much of the disability movement over the last, say, 50 years, uh, has been geared towards first care, um, taking care of individuals who need assistance, ranging from every type of disability, from the time they are born uh, all the way through their lives and care for them, care for their parents and family to provide services uh, residential services, guardianship services, respite services. Um, and of course, the inclusion movement has been very important. Um, in addition, everyone is well aware that many uh, workshops and supported employment programs have uh, exist nationwide. But this little this piece of a person's life after high school is something that wasn't being paid attention to. And the great thing about this and our intent was to open another door for these kids, not just for their intellectual development, but to make them more fully integrated into society and to and give them jobs right. and to give them jobs and to make them employable and desirable by employers. And I think when we started, there were 70 such post-secondary programs throughout America of all different types. And I believe that number is in the hundreds now. Yeah, I, I don't know the exact number. And, and from day one, Laura and I said, well, <laughs> We know that we could start a program um, but, and get it off the ground, but our most important wish was to inspire others to get programs off the ground. And I think that's probably been the biggest impact of the two programs that exist that we were involved in, is that they provided inspiration to people all across America as to what is possible. And the great thing about these programs, one of the great things about the programs, besides seeing uh, the graduates right. <laughs> throw their hats in the air uh, on graduation day, is the effect it has had on their fellow students, the mentors, mentors that work the with them, and the professors whose lives are immeasurably enriched by nurturing these students, befriending them, um, and becoming aware of the human potential in all of our children and how important it is uh, to have a diverse and pluralistic society where all members are given the opportunity to achieve their full potential. 
And as I always say, or as let's say Tim Shriver always says, this is the great unfinished business of the civil rights movement, is to bring all people with all walk, through all walks of life, with all disabilities, as fully as possible integrated into society. And this college's post-secondary program is one of those little cogs, hopefully, that we could make a little bit more progress towards that goal. That's wonderful. And you go to the graduations, as you insinuated, right? Yes, we've been to two at the College of Staten Island, and we've been to, I think, one at the College of New Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't been to any at the, um, the Mercy County site. But parents come up to us and just hug us and say, you, you don't know what you've done for my child. You know, when they came to this program, they were so shy and introverted. Look at them, because the students actually have to do a project when it, the year that they're graduating. And so they get up and they explain like a little bit about their project. And you just see how much they've grown and blossomed. Um, I think they find jobs for, for all of them. And then mm -hmm. um, one of the graduates last year, I don't, because it's a mixed group, it's not all children with Down syndrome, it's all different disabilities, but um, one okay. of them is going on to live independently. Uh, I guess mm. in January. So he's all excited and we had met him and it's just wonderful. I mean, I just, um, I'm just so happy for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sad that Melissa didn't get to do those things, but I'm happy to see that other children are able to, um, to go on and really live rich, full, independent lives as independent as they can be. And Greta, I think you're probably aware of this is perhaps more than us in terms of the studies that have been done uh, from elementary school to middle school to high school, when students are um, alongside other individuals with disabilities, developmental disabilities, they grow. Most of them grow because they see that embracing people from all walks of life makes you a better person. And that's something that um, certainly is, um, say, a byproduct of this inclusion movement that people initially didn't, didn't recognize, but, but is in fact been proven. You're exactly right. And I often say now that if all our high schools, all our schools would be fully inclusive, we would have much kinder kids growing up. Right. We would, I think yes. we would have less of, of the issues that we're seeing with violence yes. and outsiders. And I, I know we would have less of that. And I keep echoing that. So thank you for that. But you gave a great segue into what follows that, which, are, which is the Melissa Riggio residence. Yes. You spoke about living independently. So let's yes. go there. You know, um, when Melissa graduated, you know, before she got sick and then even after she got sick, but then was well, she had said, you know, I want to, because her friend Amy lit, had her own house. Mm -hmm. So she said to me, I want to have like a house in Basking Ridge, you know, when I'm older, uh, like Amy does, I want to live, you know, alone. So I had said to her, well, you know, like school, when we broke down like the different subjects in, in little chunks and you attacked each one. So you got through all of them. I said, I think we need to 
put this in steps. So, you know, maybe eventually you will live, like try living on your own. We have an apartment over the garage that has like a separate entrance. I said, and then if that's works out, then maybe we can try like an apartment um, and then see how you do. And if, you know, maybe eventually we'll get you a house, which she was like thrilled. And I really meant that sincerely. You know, I saw that in her future that she, you know, didn't want to always live at home with us. And I wanted her to, to be independent. So um, when she passed away, I remember riding home from the cemetery and passing like a new home that was going up and saying to Steve, gee, you know, Melissa really attained almost all her goals. She, I wish that she had gotten a chance to live independently. And when I, you know, when we looked at the house, he had said to me, you know, well, maybe we should think about you know, maybe starting like a, a group group home. So I had told her friend Amy, and she said, it's funny you would say that, but the why, uh, a couple of years before, an old doctor's family donated his house and it had fallen into to the why. And it was just like left, so it had fallen into disrepair. So the why was thinking like what they would do with this house. So we went to the why and, you know, talked to them saying that we wanted to start uh, you know, a house for, you know, people with uh, disabilities to live independently, but be overseen. And so, you know, we decided that we would make a donation and, but that house would be knocked down. And on that ground, we would build this Melissa Riggio residence. And so, um, I don't know how many years is it in existence now, like five or more. Um, it's a wonderful house. Uh, the way it's set up, four people live on one side of the house um, that need to be, um, you know, like higher level of support. A higher level of support. But then on the other side of the house, there's two kind of mini apartments. Independent apartments. That, yeah. that the people are mm-hmm. independent. Right. One is able to drive and can drive herself to work. Uh, the other one right. I, I, has someone taken to work. Uh, so we well, figured this would be a good situation. As it turned out, when they all met, the two people that live on the more independent side loved the people on the other side. So they all eat together, socialize together, except during the day, you know, um, those two are independent enough to go off to their jobs and the other four have jobs but are, are taken, you know, a bus comes and takes them to where they're, they're going or whatever, you know, they're doing. So I don't know if well, it's really wonderful. Well, we know how difficult the um, situation is that the crisis in, in residential housing for people with disabilities in America it has been a crisis for some time. Um, and there doesn't seem to be a solution in sight. The backlog in individuals needing places to live um, in many cases is years, if not decades, as you, may, as you know. Um, we were fortunate to be able to provide the means to, to build the house, but what was most um, inspiring and encouraging and amazing about it was that everyone in the community contributed right. in some way. Uh, decorators offered their services, landscapers did the job, and all this provided for free. Um, Local kids went and built things for the house. They built birdhouses, you know, around the property. Um, 
it was a it was a it was a true community effort. I think there were some ninety volunteers ultimately. Uh, people contributed furniture, televisions, all kinds of things to the house. So it, it's 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 a it's a home. It's not a house. It is a home. The other thing that's nice about it, um, the people who right. live in the home can actually go out the back door right. and walk across the to, uh, right. to the Y and use the facilities whenever they like to. Uh, it's like an open door policy. So that's wonderful too. And then the people exercising in the Y all the time will come up to me and say, gee, we see, you know, people working there now. It's, it's so wonderful how everything has grown. So, um, you know, we're, we're very proud of it, but it's amazing how parents who advocate for their right, kids right. network and find creative right. ways to address these problems. Exactly. You know, we've heard of right. parents in other states, right. you know, for kids that right. are friends, they get together, they either buy a house or pay for the apartment and, you know, those four kids live together. Um, so, you know, I well, this was the YMCA. Right, you know. this was through the Y. Uh, right. You know, we're, we're hoping maybe otherwise would uh, right. would think about this, or if not starting a group home, at least, you know, employ people with disabilities in the Y, you know. Um, yeah, our local YMCA was so, um, em embraced this project to such a degree that we were, we were overcome right. by their, their um, support for it. And, YMCA's around the country is so tightly integrated and knitted into their community. It just turned out to be a great, great partner for us. And we just thank them for all that they did and continue to do for those kids. And uh, yes, as Laura said, we, we hoped it to be like the college program, something that would be catch on. Catch on. I'm not sure how much of an example that provided, but but it certainly was intended to be um, a kind of seed of an idea for others to copy. Well, you know, I, I, I also see this as you being the perfect example of making the world that you want to see. You're making the changes that you want to see. You're doing it yourself. And we all have to do that. If we all do that, think of how many more improvements we could see. So I'm so inspired by everything you do. Hello. Thank you for listening to the second episode of Born Fabulous. I hope you enjoyed it and want to hear more. This episode was the second of four, speaking with Steve and Laura Riggio. To see more about the Riggios, including photos and videos, please go to bornfabulouspodcast.com. You can also subscribe to Born Fabulous and send feedback. Now enjoy this clip of The Ring, lyrics by Melissa Riggio, music and singing by Rachel Fuller. <laughs>